Call it. Call it, yes. For a whole lot. Just call it. Welcome to episode six of Call It Friend with myself, Andy J. Ritchie, and my co-host, Donica Tiernan. Last week's toss saw my pick, Land of the Lost, square off against Donica's champion, Chronicles of Riddick. Chronicles of Riddick won the toss, so I decided to punish both myself and Donica by choosing the 2013 sequel, Riddick, as a companion film, really pushing the boundaries of how much Vin Diesel two men can ingest. As always, spoilers for both films right from the start. We also delve into Pitch Black a little as well. Check out JustWatch.com for details of how to rent or stream these films in your country. Apologies for some sound issues. This episode was recorded in the Underverse. Getting to that question, besides the movies we had to watch, what have you been watching this week? Literally nothing. I honestly don't think I've watched anything. I can't recall. I'm busy. I'm a busy man. I work hard. I live in Italy. I live the typical Italian life. I ride around on a bike going ciao at people. I don't have time to watch stuff. That's why I require the obligation of being forced to watch two films a week. I haven't watched any TV or anything. Well, I've been watching shit tons of stuff. So I started watching right. this TV show. I don't know if you ever heard of it, but it's called uh, Banshee. Yeah, oh yeah, I know Banshee because um, Anthony Starr, Mr. Home- Homelander from uh, The Boys, he's the star of Banshee. That's I've right. season one of Banshee. It's a, a lot of sex. It's terrific. And it just, it, yeah, it's just... Like, fun. It's good fun. I've, I've, I'm three episodes in now, and uh, it got oh, me. Th- it got me thinking about... Basically, I feel like the story in Banshee is just something that worked out to convenience, a bunch of sex, uh, deception yeah, in small town, corruption, that kind of thing. It's just one of those shows. And I figured it's 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 like a jam band of a show. You know what I mean? Why did you choose to watch that of all the things that are out there? Uh, because I really enjoyed this new TV show. Well, it's newish. It's finished now, actually. It's called Warrior. Uh, that Cinemax also produced. And then I found out the same guy produced that as produced uh. Banshee. Uh, and it's just one of those things that oh, they wanted, let's see, cowboys and martial arts and all these things in the same sort of frame. So they decided to convenience the story around it. The same as Banshee. And ultimately, I believe, the same thing that David Tuhi used to do before they gave him the keys to the studio coffers and told him to make something in the shape of Lord of the Rings in space. So this is coming back around to it. Like people would like people would probably like to say that David Toohey burst onto the scenes with uh, Pitch Black because the phrase "burst out onto the scene" is is fun to say. But as a matter of fact, he was jobbing around Hollywood for the longest time and eventually hit his stride with The Fugitive. Now, Andy, have you seen The Fugitive? I rewatched The Fugitive not that long ago, and I felt like it was a bit crap. Oh, really? Yeah, the last time I watched it, I just felt like it wasn't. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't hold up. Well, I mean, it's that's a film, my contention. It's a film that. Um, I mean, Tommy Lee Jones just elevates above it. Basically, he's above the material. But it's a film made of set pieces, essentially, and I feel like that's what David Toohey made his bread and butter doing, and that is right. eventually like that is eventually how he got on to the, uh, to the Pitch Black script. He got a. He was basically jumping from project to project in Hollywood, where what he would do was just um, 
kind of give scripts here and there a bit of chutzpah was his idea to change the sex of the main character in G.I. Jane, which would have seemed like the entire reason for that script this, existing. This guy's a genius. Existing in the first place. But basically, yeah, just kind of inverting concepts because he's one of those filmmakers, like a, a, a what-if filmmaker, I suppose. Like, um, Which is nothing... Like, Alfred Hitchcock was a what-if filmmaker for much of his time. I mean, reputedly, the original idea for Psycho was what if the heroine died 30 minutes in? Mm. And, like, um, Christopher McQuarrie is still a what-if filmmaker. Apparently, that's literally how they make the Mission Impossible films. They just think of the sequences and weave a story around it. Oh, is that how you, uh, that's, that's what a what-if filmmaker is to you? I mean, that just seems to me that they think up, yeah, what, what are the most insane stunts that we can do and then try and weave those into a story? Well, it's not all stunts. It's like, like, like what if we can thwart the, the audience's expectations in a certain way, regardless of if it makes sense in terms of the story, if I can drag Fair them enough. along for the ride, like, then there you go. And I think that that's basically what, he was really going for with pitch black i don't think it was a million miles away from the setup of wages of fear even in that you, we got introduced to this merry band of outsiders and then they put them in a pressurized situation okay to introduce it properly pitch black 2000 you saw that in the cinema i did yeah uh, and that was around, you think back to all the stuff that was coming out around then. I remember in the cinema, um, in a short period of time then, seeing Fight Club, Memento, American wow. Beauty, American Pie, obviously at the same level as all of those. Yes. I remember just going to Pitch Black because there was nothing else on and the poster looked a little bit cool. And I was completely blown away by it. I thought it was fantastic. And I watched it recently in the run-up to this episode, which is about its two sequels, Chronicles of Riddick and 2013's Riddick. And then and the it, next, the one after this is just going to be called Dick or Rid. It's actually going to be called uh, Fur Furia. Yeah, spoilers for Riddick 4. Indeed. Anyway, um, Pitch Black really surprised me. I don't know if you know much about how that film came about, but they chucked this finished script at him. That was... A similar sort of a setup, except Riddick was a girl and wasn't was more of a unjustly imprisoned kind of a convict. And then Tui's idea was to change Riddick into seeming like the antagonist for the first half of the film and also allowing him to see in the dark, thereby giving him an advantage when the creatures came out. So it, it like his idea was to have a slow burn and then this person who seems like the antagonist of the piece actually turned out to be the hero in the end. And the person who seems like the hero, your man, uh, Hauser or Kauser, what's his name? Cole, Cole Hauser. Yeah. Cole Hauser. To, who, he's who, great. William he's, J. Johns, because you have to have a middle initial. He starts out that film feeling like he's going to be the hero of it. And then yeah. it turns, uh, turns out he's a junkie and then he tries to kill a little boy and it turns out Riddick is your hero and he gets off the planet with all the Muslims. He does get off the planet with all the Muslims. I it's, think that there's no better way to that's exactly describe the plot. Yeah. So the film itself, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I gather it made I quite, a bit of a, quite a bit of a profit. It cost, 23, it? it cost $23 million US, and the box office, it made $53.2 million. Not bad. Not a bad day. Uh, not bad for, yeah, for just like a small throwaway project that clearly didn't, you know, there wasn't a great expectation on it. Although $23 million is not a tiny amount of money, but still. Uh, no, I mean, in the grand Hollywood scheme of things, it might be. 
Uh, it, would, it would probably be harder to get that made now, I reckon, unless they went to, you know, like Platinum Dunes or whatever. Well, well, well it would be. Things. It's not part of a franchise. I mean, yeah. the fact that the fact that it, it, like, that film had a bit of a miracle journey to the screen anyway, because um, it was the last film produced by a little company called uh, Polygram that was then thereafter bought up by Universal, and they started like sifting through all the property, seeing what they could make money out of and what they could abandon. And uh, all the while, Pitch Black was being, while the uh, hostile takeover happened, Pitch Black was being filmed in Australia, far away from uh, grubby uh, studio accountant fingers. And then when eventually the product came to them, they were just considering whether to like release it or just chuck it on DVD. And they saw it and thought it was halfway to decent. The few production notes they got from... um, Test screenings was to a slight change to the ending. Riddick was going to. We like Riddick. the bald man. The bald man's good. Let's exactly. Have more of him. Let's Riddick. put it. Let's make him the star of the next one. He was well. He was going to die in the end. Oh damn. Yeah, uh, but then obviously we. Uh, I think we I would have liked. I would have liked Chronicles of Riddick if it was just two hours and fifteen minutes of a black screen. <laughs> that would have been an interesting choice. Indeed. Yeah. All of a sudden, on the far side of Pitch Black, Lord of the Rings got released, and uh, everybody mm, wanted. That's a good point. Lord of the Rings and Gladiator, uh, actually, those two kind of informed each other in terms of um, Hollywood opening up to big epic storylines again. And uh, mm-hmm. then they said to David Tuhi, uh, a man who would be a what if director, would basically would thrive in an environment like the TV show Banshee, where they said, "Hey, we want this, this, it." This, this, and this set piece and some tits. Can you make it happen? But instead they said, we want a giant grand narrative. Can you do it? And the answer, as revealed in Chronicles of Riddick, the film I regretfully suggested, the answer transpired to be no. No, he could not. He could not do it. I think what's important for this podcast is that sometimes we watch things like Sorcerer that, and you know, I'm genuinely happy that I got the opportunity to watch and talk about Sorcerer because I think it, even now it's probably one of my favorite films. Wow. And then yeah. to, to, to take things up to an even higher level with Chronicles of Riddick, which is clearly superior in every way to Sorcerer. It's, yes. We've reached the pinnacle of film here. Well, I mean, Sorcerer for uh, Sorcerer is all well and good, but it didn't have anybody in a helmet that had two faces at the side of it and then uh, a face at the back as well. That's how you know that they're always watching. They see everything because they've been to the Underverse, you see. Because they're dead. Hence, yeah, and sort of. Well, okay, so Chron- Chronicles of Riddick. Let's, Let's do jump it. in, shall we? Let's do it. So this was released in 2004, written and directed by David Tui alone. So Pitch Black, as you said, the script was written uh, by a couple of screenwriters called Ken and Jim Wheat. And that was their last project. That was the last thing they they've, they have done. It's the last thing they've uh, put out. So it's almost and, like a haunted movie. Yeah, but they get uh, character credits on all the other films, of course. So they came up with uh, some of these really, really, these really memorable characters in the Riddick verse, which we'll come to later. Um, so yeah, this uh, it was written and directed by David Tui alone. The biggest distinction, probably, between this and Pitch Black is the fact that uh, Chronicles of Riddick is a PG thirteen. Mm. meaning that we don't see a lot of blood and we don't see a lot of boobies. No, there's Do we see any do we see any naked tittage? I, I don't I don't think we do. 
the other biggest change for this one was that Vin Diesel's career was in a slightly different place between 2000 and 2004. So this is post uh, Saving Private Ryan. What else did he have? He was in Boiler Room. That was another film I saw around the time. He was good in Boiler Room. Oh, it it well, seemed fast, like he could act at that point. The Fast franchise would have definitely started in between Pitch yeah. Black and uh, Chronicles of Riddick. It did. Uh, fast and the Furious, the first one, came out in 2001 because I watched it in uh, Denver, Colorado, I remember. Nice. And that was an exciting, an exciting two hours of my life, to which I will always be thankful to Mr. Vincent Diesel. So Vin has, uh, by the time Chronicles comes out, uh, Vin, uh, his star has seemingly begun to shine and uh, he has started making uh, contributions to the script. And uh, David too, he has started welcoming these contributions to the script. So this film, we open with Judy Dench narrating a scene where a bunch of space Romans appear to be destroying a planet. Um, as we've established, I'm a big fan of narration, but my first question when I see when I was watching this, I was thinking, how does someone like Judy Dench deal with the fact that this is the this is the caliber of project that she's working on? Well, you ever hear that uh, anecdote um, about um, Jaws three and Michael Caine? Yeah. I always that always reminds me of Krusty in the Simpsons in the film festival episode where he says, let's just say this film moved me to a bigger house. Exactly. Michael Caine's line was what I've never seen the film, but uh, I've seen the house I've, it built in. It's lovely. I've seen the house. My oh. name is Michael Caine. <laughs> Indeed. I've seen but, the house. But that's what Judy Dench does. She just elevates the material like an absolute pro. No, she can't elevate this material. She elevates herself, selfishly rather. Uh, but she you actually, think so? Well, she no, puts everyone else down with her quality? Her lines just seem better, and there's no way they can be. So it's just the quality she's of her acting. Good. That's elevating that's true. the material. That's 100% yeah, yeah. true. Yeah, yeah, she's uh, interpreting it in, like a skilled actress should. Or actor, sorry. I can't believe I said actress. I can't believe I said that. Sorry, I meant actor. So what happens so, in this little intro? What happens in the intro? She says something about, so space Romans came. And if you want to defeat space Romans, you need a bad guy. I believe that is word for words. What she no, says. She's another kind of evil. That's what she says. And you so, need, if you want to defeat evil, you need another kind of evil. The type mm. of evil that's not actually evil. Because he's essentially a good guy at this point. Yes, there's not much evil left in poor old Riddick at this point. No, afraid not. So what happens next? We cut to a snow-covered mountainous planet. Riddick is being pursued by some bounty hunters, one of whom has quality facial hair, nice uh, lamb chops, and uh, a soul patch, which I think is a good choice in any verse, in any universe. He's a hot so Riddick dis mm, Don't know about that, but it's an interesting choice. He looks like Kreese from Cobra Kai slash the Karate Kid. Oh, have you been watching Cobra um, Kai? Oh yeah, it's classic. It's a, one it's, of my favorite shows. It's, it's again, it's it's very much the banshee of martial arts. Uh, it's great. It's great fun. I, I'm loving yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Again, yeah, yeah, it's quality. So anyway, so the Riddick's being pursued by these bounty hunters. He disarms them, kicks the shit out of them, and steals their stuff. I have a high tolerance for very bad science fiction. Like, <laughs> I've, 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 I'm a star. I'll, I'll, I quite like Star Trek. I've, I have rewatched very old episodes of the Next Generation. I can tolerate very bad sci-fi, and it, it just goes to show that, uh, like, 
sci-fi dialogue can be very, very clunky at the best of times when it's being exposition heavy. But that you can get over because you're like, you kind of, you can just suspend your disbelief because you're like, I need the exposition. I need to know what this is. You know, it's in Marvel movies. It's everywhere. People will just stop, explain, explain, explain. But that's not what is happening here. But style, I mean, are, are, this like, are we saying just, that this is, is this just because Riddick, sorry, I, I've started referring to Vin Diesel as Riddick. I did mean Vin Diesel, the actor, but realistically he's Riddick. So is this because Vin Diesel is a producer on the film? Because I mean, Tui supposedly wrote this by himself, but all these shit lines, there's a few of them in this, in Chronicles of Riddick and Riddick, there's there's some especially shit lines that you f- kind of feel like Vin Diesel might have written himself because yeah. he has that he has that air about him as like the guy who kept a diary and now is trying to insert some of the insane things that he's written down himself. He's trying to put those into a film because he thinks they sound cool. Yeah, well, apparently that's apparently he's all about that shit on the Fast and the Furious movies. He's fallen right. out uh, with, I believe, Jason Statham and Dwayne the Rock Johnson uh, over just like the way Dwayne Johnson put it. Um, is like apparently he was overheard saying this, and this is one of the reasons they had their falling out is uh, that Vin Diesel is the is the only person who doesn't get the joke when it comes to the Fast franchise. Like he's the only one taking it kind of seriously. When of course the reason that the fra- uh, Fast franchise has exploded is because it began very specifically not taking itself seriously, and it became yeah, a whole yeah, bunch because of fun. yeah. I mean, when I think back to the first one, I think I've only seen the first couple of Fast and Furious films when they were still total shit. Um, I'm, yeah, supposedly they're much more fun now, but I will, I kind of refuse to watch them. But you know, the first one takes itself so seriously and, yeah, yeah. you know, is incredibly cheesy. And this suffers from the same thing. So you have to imagine the Vin Diesel's prints are all over this. You know, you're going to have to work very hard for me to not lay up Fast Five for the watching very soon. Oh, okay. Well, we'll see. I've got a few things uh, brewing that I was thinking about. Why not? I might have to dip into a a, a Fast, in the Fast franchise. I've got plenty to catch up on, though, so I don't know if I want to go directly to Five. Let's not get bogged down. Absolutely, indeed. So, yeah, Riddick steals their ship, doesn't kill anyone because this is a PG-13 movie. He's not that evil after all, it turns out, possibly. Oh, but also we'll need them later in the movie. Oh, yeah, of course. Well, we, we certainly need Tombs. We need him, but then he gets a new crew. Anyway, next we see an aggressive lady on a prison planet being locked into a cage beside some wide, wild animals. She stabs a man in the penis with a pole. <laughs> yes, she does. <laughs> as you do. And, uh, yeah, this, this lady is, uh, she means business. But here you go. Here is, here is just one big mistake that David Tui seems to have made with the material. Um, he seems to have here in this scene, it is clearly indicated that he has mistook how people enjoyed pitch black because that scene is played out in such of a way that we give a top any fuck who this lady is or know anybody from this universe except for maybe yeah. the guy with the funny eyes like it turns out to be jack the uh, transgender yeah, disguise yeah. chick uh, from pitch black but sure, we don't give a fuck 
We don't care. It's it's a reveal similar to one that happens in Riddick as well, where you're kind of like, yeah, I guess, okay, fine. We're, we're trying to tie this all in so that it's a thing. We're trying to make this, yeah, you know, the Riddick verse, the the Chronicles of Riddick. It's called not just this film, but the whole overarching thing is the series is called the Chronicles of Riddick, like it's the Chronicles of Narnia or something. Same yeah. caliber and importance, and it will last for the same amount of time. Children will be reading the novelization of the Chronicles of Riddick in the future at <laughs> schools. But it's just like uh, they had such a golden opportunity for Mad Max in space, basically. For, and uh, yeah, they instead turned it into I don't know the yeah the shite, shite for cunts in space. <laughs> shite for cunts. Yeah, yeah. Which is an spot. interesting yeah, <laughs> it's an interesting road to go down, but fair enough. <laughs> it's what Vin Diesel wanted. All right, so then everything gets, so, everything yeah, gets so very sci-fi channel then. Yeah, Riddick has a bit of a dream about a planet called Furia, which, again, is this is very important because seemingly this is his home. And the vision tells him that he's the chosen one for no reason whatsoever. And this is where the retconning of Pitch Black starts to become a real problem. Yeah, no need for it, really. No, no because the, Pitch Black works because we just have this guy. We don't know anything about him. We know his name is Richard B. Riddick, apparently, but he's called Riddick. But then to try to turn him from some random criminal in this universe into the chosen one from a dying planet like he's Superman no. is just insane. Yeah, and Mad Max in space could have been so good. Yeah, it's better if he's a no one, but that does nothing for Vin Diesel's ego. He's a chosen no. one. He's exactly. a chosen one. It's like, okay, you, so ever, mm -hmm. you ever hear that story Go. of, uh, of course you didn't know, uh, when Arnold Schwarzenegger on the set of Terminator suggested to James Cameron and says, uh, I think it should be, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I will be back. It's more robotic. I will James, be back. And James I do Cameron, not like contractions. James Cameron just said, no, it's, it's going to be, I'll be back, Arnold. Just say the line. I, I, I think for so we whatever need a bit more reason, of that. Yeah. yes, we do. But David Toohey so doesn't if, seem if, like if, he has yeah, that clout. If, if, we'd had, if we'd had Cameron instead of David Toohey, just imagine how slightly less shite this might have been. Although, to be fair, Avatar, not the strongest uh, scripted film in the world. Okay, I'll take no more Avatar bashing on this podcast. Anyway, yeah, well, we'll get to see Avatar parts two to seven, and then we can, uh, once, it's a, once the series is finished, then we can make our final And I'm really fucking it. looking forward to them. I'm, I'm really, I, but God, I, maybe he... We'll maybe, see, okay. Yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah, you're right, <laughs> you're right. Avatar, that's for another day. So it we is. cut to Helion Prime, and we see Keith David walking the streets, a.k.a. the Imam, trying to bring freedom to the people of Space Palestine. AKA, and you see Keith David, yeah. Mr. Well, Astas. <laughs> yeah, Astas, indeed, Mr. <laughs> Astas, which is very important. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't oversee any Astas in this film, at least not shown on screen. We can imagine that that is his job. Aside from going to Space Mosque, he probably is doing some Space Astas. Who well, knows? Well, yeah, because he is, he, but he doesn't even, it doesn't even need to be like something pervy and okay, disgusting cool. in his world because he's, he's a, a space Muslim, so he can be a polygamist, so he can have multiple wives and make his mm. multiple wives do Astas. I don't know if he's allowed, to, I don't, I don't know what the insertion rules are in Space Islam, but uh, yeah, you see Keith, Keith David and you think, yeah, okay, good. Finally, another person who can act. We've had Judy Dench at the start as a space mm -hmm. ghost, and now we've got Keith David, and we're thinking, all right, things are getting a bit better. And then Judy Dench comes back. She appears. We see her. We've only heard her before, but now she appears, and she's an elemental. She's 
Again, she's some kind of Lord of the Rings character. And she delivers this awful dialogue with a level of professionalism that this material does not deserve. Yeah, and that, but that it's, it's extra mysterious because you're wondering, why are they doing all this in a cardboard city? And then you just yeah, well, $120 million cardboard city. This film cost $120 million, of which it recouped 115 which is also insane. Yeah, and it like legitimately just, the, the second we got to uh, Helion Prime, is that what it's called? I just felt I believe like... So. Oh, Helion Prime, come on. This is, this is one of the most important, uh, this is one of the most important planets in the verse, in the whole what? wide verse. But, but just I was just watching it. I just felt like like a couple of years ago. I forced myself to watch the Sci-Fi Channel's adaptation of Dune because I like the book Dune. Yeah, I just felt like oh, this is we're on the Sci-Fi Channel for some reason. I mean that that, that none it of the money is vibe. in that city. <laughs> it it's does, just awful. I think you mentioned to me before it has the, the vibe of Stargate. Oh, it TV does. Yeah, show. yeah. It's very SG-1. Everything's very SG-1. It's like 100%. So what happens next is the Necromongers, who were the space Romans from the introduction, the Necromongers come and kill people for about 20 minutes of subpar Guardians of the Galaxy action. Uh, They kill Keith David, which overall probably a good thing for him. Uh, The strobe (laughs) lighting. The strobe lighting is straight out of an 80s East Berlin disco. I had to I had to turn away from the screen at places because the strobe lighting was so full on. Well, yeah, I mentioned to you what happened with me because the the, the the film fooled me here uh, because I, when the boys start attacking and then you just see all these um, all the citizens scrambling around the city and then the soldiers chasing <laughs> yeah. them in their silly armor and I thought to myself, oh god, they're doing like a real on the ground version of what this would be like. And then the longer it went along, I was just like, oh no, this is just really terrible. This is just a terrible, terrible way yeah. of, of shooting yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. It's twenty minutes of this, and like the the overall vibe of the overall vibe of the whole film is like an early two thousands new metal video. This is like a corn video or something, or like Limp Biscuit. That's that's the entire. All these weird Dutch angles, the quick cuts, and everything just looks cheesy. I, I think it fits perfectly in two thousand and four or two thousand and five. I mean, this with- is. With the thick latex armor of whatever production company was in yeah. charge of Xena Warrior Princess. Exactly. Yeah, it's just used over. I mean, they're you know they got this, they got that stuff straight off that set and uh, threw it on, which is it's one method, one way of doing things. Yeah. So then we're I mean we're introduced to a bit more of the cast, and the cast of the film is ridiculous. We've got Tandy Newton and Carl Urban together, a power seeking couple trying to overthrow the Lord Marshal, who's played by Colm Fior. And then his Comfior's second in, in charge is Linus Roach, who's some kind of commandery guy. And again, they're like most of them, with the exception of one, are doing a great job with wooden dialogue, kind of almost making you care about the characters. Almost are they? Almost making you care about that something is happening. Linus Roach is solid. Comfior says things in a way that. You imagine he's like the boss in a video game, I guess. But yeah. it's, it's not the worst. He's not Vin Diesel. They're not Vin Diesel, which I think is important. Vin Diesel, there was a point where in previous films, like Boiler Room that I mentioned earlier, it felt like Vin Diesel might be able to act. And then it just went insane. He just, he obviously decided he didn't want to do like small character roles. He wanted to be, you know, Arnie. Yeah, I was just going to mention Arnie because that, yeah, yeah, that's, that is, um, that is where the like he's terrific in Saving Private Ryan. 
as yeah, just a, solid. as a weird uh, mumbly kind of Italian guy who who tries to re- uh, rescue that child and he dies and there's a lot of heart in that performance now okay warranted he was working with Steven fucking Spielberg uh, who can who has a habit of elevating people like that but like uh, fucking yeah Schwarzenegger I. I don't know. He just made himself into a star in this kind of way. And I think just by the way Vin Diesel tried to guide his career, he, he imagines himself as that sort of person, but he has neither the charisma nor the talent nor the eye for projects. Uh, Which is a, a slight uh, impediment to becoming the action star of Hollywood, where I think, you know, The Rock is charismatic in a way that must really piss off Vin Diesel when they do the fast movies together. Yeah, right. Because he looks at him and goes like, oh, that's the one that everyone likes. By the way, just to mention this, I don't know if you've seen the video of it, but uh, a couple of weeks ago, Vin Diesel debuted his new song, Feel Like I Do, on the Kelly Clarkson show. Oh, Jesus, I did see this. Oh, look in the show notes, people, because this video is one of the most horrifying things you'll ever see. They have audience members like on Zoom in their houses dancing along in front of their webcams to Vin Diesel's song. It's one of the most horrifying things I've ever seen. Yeah, and like, it's, God, it's bizarre because it's, it's not like when you hear, I don't know, have you, Billy Bob Thornton has music and it's decent and maybe he likes to make music occasionally and David Hasselhoff knows how to take the piss out of himself and it's funny, but this is done in such earnest. Yes, uh, this is subpar pitbull, which is saying something. So anyway, Oi. yeah, next, back to the film. So next is one of my favorite scenes. They, they gather all the citizens in a big hall and the necromongers tell them that they've crossed over to another world called the Underverse and that it's dead good and you should join us because we'll give you eternal life, etc. And yes, this is sir. when... Li- so Linus Roach is making a speech and he starts referring to universes as verses because you don't want to have to say universe. That's too, too many syllables. So he just says verses. And he's making the speech and he's telling them like, yeah, we, we went to the underverse. It's better than this verse, of which there are many verses, obviously. But the verse that we went to, the underverse that I mentioned earlier, is, be- is the best verse. So you should join us in that verse, the underverse. Well, they say a verse in Firefly. That doesn't bother me so much. They can say whatever they want in Firefly because that's well written and yeah. well acted and is funny and is interesting and is good and this is shit joss whedon could do so much with this fucking material he would recast uh, nathan fillion as riddick for example yes that would just, that would help having oh a good my, actor jesus wouldn't it imagine it he's likable and interesting would, yeah would be great in this role because nathan fillion doesn't do anything full tilt serious and that's yeah. like oh god yeah jesus if if Vin Diesel just eased up on the seriousness, just a, but I don't think he has a comical side. He likes to imagine he does. No. Have you ever no. heard that no. that anecdote no. of uh, Louis C.K. writing dialogue for him at an MTV Video Music Awards? No. Oh, I, I gotta tell you, this is a, this is just a okay. funny story. So, um, yeah, he had to write a sort of a gag for uh, Vin Diesel and Eve, and uh, Vin Diesel was a uh, very Vin Diesel ad- and Eve. Oh my yeah, god, that's, there's someone who's not been relevant for a while. Prevent, uh, presenting a, an award together. And Vin Diesel was... <laughs> I, prefer, I prefer preventing an award together. That would be so much better. <laughs> but anyway, Vin Diesel de- has decided that he really wants people to see how funny he is. He wants people to see his oh, funny side. God. 
So um, he shows up to rehearsals and makes sure everything, like he shows up and makes sure he knows his lines and everything like that. And so the bit is, uh, Eve would say to Vin Diesel, very MTV joke, Eve, Eve would say to Vin Diesel, hey, uh, how deep is it? Is your voice really that deep? Are you faking it? And he goes, oh no, I am faking it. And then this is my real deep voice. And uh, it, it's much, much deeper. Anyway, so that was the bit. Vin Diesel's all sort of ready to do it. And then they line up backstage. This is how Louise Case tells it. And she's like, what do I got to say here? This is stupid. I'm not saying this. You know? You're stupid. So uh, they go out together. And uh, Eve just goes, hey, everybody. Hey, I love you all, etc. like that. And then Vin Diesel just cleans in and goes, this is my real voice. <laughs> That's so much better. Oh that sounds God. like something that Louis would have actually written. That oh, sounds you, like a good bit. You can, you can look it up online. It is fucking oh, hilarious. Nice. Okay, oh. well, we'll add that, we'll add that to the show notes as well. Have For a look sure. At that. I need to watch that. Anyway, yeah, there's, so there's no yeah, so then, to Vin Diesel. Yeah, so what happens is they, they tell everyone at this big meeting in the big hall to bow, and the only Where guy standing is all the people of the, on the planet are there. <laughs> everyone from this planet Every, is there. Everyone, it's about 50 people and all at everyone and they all they all bow because obviously they want to go to the the other verse the underverse but riddick stays standing so then the lord marshall's like who is this insolent beggar and do you know well, what that, he, he says something worse says, than that because i i just wait i just made that up and that is way better than whatever the guy actually says and i also that was a better performance than comb gave i'm just saying so then uh, but so riddick says i'm not with these guys which is a good uh, response, I feel. Tandy Newton, when he refuses to kneel, says semi to oh, herself, yeah. "Who is this man?" Yeah, was well, that the same? Is that the same point? Yeah, I, I didn't remember that Tandy Newton was actually in the room, but yeah. So, so Riddick then looks over at the hardest-looking commander guy and says, "I want a piece of him." <laughs> <laughs> and I think the Lord Marshal says something like, "You can then, then you shall have it." And then they have a big fight, and uh, Riddick kills the the commander, and then he learns the necromonger rule: you keep what you kill, mm-hmm. you keep what you kill. And then they take Riddick uh, back to the ship. They put him in front of their weird seance prediction machine made of semi-dead people. And it says that he's a Furian survivor. He's a Furian survivor. And then they start shouting, kill the Riddick. Kill the Riddick. Yeah, he's the Riddick. Which is insane. This is this crazy retcon again. Because in the first film, in Pitch Black, his name is Richard B. Riddick. He's just a guy. He's just a, a guy with a first name and a middle initial. And now he is the Riddick. Well, it makes no sense whatsoever. He, he's always been the Riddick to me. I guess. I, it would be, I think the last film, the third film, sorry, definitely not the last film. I meant to say the third film because it will by no means be the, the last film. Yeah, I mean, that should have been called The Riddick. That would have been better. In fact, I think we should refer to it as The Riddick from now on. All right, fair enough. I'm in favor. Let's do it. So anyway, Riddick escapes and he gets picked up by the bounty hunter from the start, Tombs, the Lamb Chops guy, Kreese from uh, Cobra Kai, who says, let's divert the plot for a while, buddy, because we're taking you to Crematoria, the fire-covered prison planet. Oh, yeah, the, uh, the, Tui has a line in here, uh, which must have made it through an edit. When they arrive to Crematorium, uh, somebody says, oh, what's the name? Tombs says, uh, if I own this place <laughs> and hell... I'd rent it out. 
which I've heard that's paraphrased. It's some, it was, I think it's a quote from a novel of, of someone talking about Texas. Well, it was someone, it was someone speaking. So tech and crematoria very much the Texas of this verse. Before we focus in on, on the crematoria, I would just want to rewind a tiny bit. And I would just want yeah, to what ask... to the rape or no. Okay. Oh, yeah, well, ask yeah, your question before the rape. Well, yeah, let's get to the rape. Rape, rape, rape or question, which? I want to know, right. So question or rape. Tandy Newton might someday mm -hmm. become become as good an actor as Judy Dench, but what is Tandy Newton doing in this movie with her performance? It's a uh, very odd thing. It looks it's like somebody doing an impression of an actor. She's very talented, so I assume at yeah, this point really she was just. So I assume it was just one of those things where she's like, "Well, Judy Dench can do the heavy lifting. I'll just be standing around with Carl Urban, and they probably won't notice me." And doing She'll like be safe. Super, super grotty tongue smooching. Yeah, I guess she was just like, whatever. It's not, it's not really going to matter, is it? Or yes. else she was. This is how she was directed, and this is what Tui, and this is what the real director Vin Diesel wanted from this character, <laughs> the true director of the film, the Riddick himself. The Riddick killed the Riddick. So going so back to, to the rapes, Texas, yes. Oh well, yes. Yeah, so before they get to Texas, there's space, space rape sleep rape so they're in high some kind of hyper sleep apparently as you see in films I, I, the films that this is ripped off the universes that this ripped off like aliens and so the one lady of the bounty hunter uh, crew on to tombs's crew she uh, me too's riddick when he's sleeping yeah she straddles him and she's right like, she's like smooching him and stuff she's like maybe i can sort of do a bit of riding on this guy yeah She's but, gonna rape him, but Riddick's awake. But Riddick's awake and is not averse to being taken advantage of. But it does put into place the very clear thing that carries over to the third film as well, which is that Riddick is irresistible. And when I say Riddick, of course, I mean Vin Diesel is irresistible to all females and probably males as well, to everyone. He's a fucking hot piece of ass. Mm, apparently. Yes. So they land on crematoria, they head into the prison. The main guy, uh, the main prison warden is less than pleased with Tombs for bringing such a dangerous, sexy, sexy man into the prison. He's too dangerous, he's too sexy, yes. Goddamn sexy, just imagine what's going to happen. Everyone's going to try and me to him. So then Tombs agrees to wait around for 24 hours to get paid, which is just enough time for Richard B. Riddick, a.k.a. the Riddick, to work his magic. Mm-hmm. But and that for, magic, yeah. First of Go all, he, he has to run into his, his old mate, uh, who mm. we remember as being the lady who stabbed the guy in the dick from the start of the film. Yeah, yes, the old penis stabber. Who it turns Jack out... Jack himself. Yeah, Jack and, him slash herself. And we know it's, it's, it's her because she reminds him and us of something she said in the first movie, which was very memorable, which five, is, which was five years in, in universe is five years prior. And in our world, uh, well, also it was five years as well. It was actually or four or five, four or five years as well. And she says, uh, how do I get, she said, how do I get eyes like that? Yeah. And then he says the exact same thing that he told her as well, which is some poorly written shit line. I think it's <laughs> paraphrase that one. <laughs> That's a good Something, idea. some badly written thing about it's a, eyes. 
It's a kiss off. I'm a tough cunt. <laughs> yeah. This is what I said five years ago in this conversation that we had, remember? Yep, so, yeah, Riddick encounters uh, this Jack. Well, this crazy lady. Turns out it's Jack off of Pitch Black. Remember that one, the good film, the R-rated one. Mm. Uh, So then, yeah, Jack Jack is a badass now. Killed a bunch of people for the sole reason that she wants shiny eyes. She wants shiny Riddick eyes to see in the dark, just like he does. Her hero, Riddick, that guy. The Riddick. Just like the Riddick, the chosen one off of Furia, remember? Did you remember the Riddick from Furia? The last of his kind, the hero. The Riddick. The evil, the the different kind of evil that you use to fight evil. Yes. The Riddick. That'll work. So while this is going on in the prison, the necromongers have figured out where Riddick is and they're sending their fleet led by Commander Vako, uh, a young looking Carl Urban whose face hasn't uh, filled out yet. He 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 is he is a hot piece of ass in my mind. At this time, Carl Urban was at the top of his sexy sexiness game, as far as I'm concerned. At this he, point, he's a sexy man. Yeah, mm, which, he certainly is. Which is probably why, like Vin Diesel, demanded he be emasculated uh, at the end of the movie. Yeah, like I, I'm sh- I'm sure. Like actually, it's seemingly, and we will get to the ending, of, of course. But oh, he, we will as soon as possible, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. I mean. It, there are other... Well, we can get to it when we get to it. Ask me about Carol Urban when we get to the wedding. Okay. So wedding. So, ending. Jesus. Yeah. So what happens next? In the prison, they run into one of the, lead, the leader of the inmates, who's played by Yorick van Wageningen, uh, who is, in, in my mind, is uh, the man who ties up and violates Elizabeth Salander from the Fincher version of Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Yes. Uh, yes. I, again, just elevating the cast of a project that does not deserve it with his yeah. smiley, smiley, uh, sex offender face. Can you think of another film of such kind of poor quality that just, uh, just did not execute in the end with such a cast? Not off the top of my head, but I guarantee it's got there is one either, somewhere. It, like... I guarantee it'll have either Patrick Stewart, Judy Dench, any of these kind of heavy hitter Brit actors that bring gravitas to things. There's got to be a ton of like, you know, what about some like X-Men three, the X-Men last stand. Yeah, that's actually true. Yeah. All right. So another, another favorite scene of mine occurs in, in the prison where a group of guys are intimidating and aggressive towards our friend, Jack, the one that we like off of pitch black. And they're possibly going to do something naughty to her. They touch her, her buttocks. And then, <laughs> and then Riddick steps in because he's the Riddick, obviously. He's a gentleman yeah, yeah, yeah. and a hero and a scholar probably as well, I imagine. And so what he does, he comes in and he threatens one of the guys and promises that he will kill him with his teacup. And then Riddick makes good on his promise and kills this man with a teacup. Yes, indeed. Uh, it's pretty- it is quite funny, actually. It is quite funny, that bit. Yeah. There's a big shootout between the prison guards and the bounty hunters. In the ensuing chaos, Riddick leads the prisoners out. It's a terrible action scene. It is horrendous. And then they have to run across the surface of the planet while being chased by fire, the element. It's very, very hot, yes. Um, Yeah, fire is hot. And then a couple of the guys get their faces melted off. 
And then in one iconic scene, uh, Riddick rescues Jack by dousing himself with bottled water and then jumping through the searing volcanic heat, emerging from the other side with steam emanating from his muscular, compact body. Yes. Uh, do you remember the type of bottle that he chucks the water out from? I believe it's Evian. No, I don't. What is it? Oh, it's just a plastic bottle is my point. It is. Uh, is it is. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's it, like it's, it from, li- it's, from the, it's from the craft services table. It would literally just melt in his hand. I mean, I'd like, I hate to <laughs> call well, it point of order. It would melt in someone else's hand, but this is the Riddick. This is the Kill Riddick. Kill the Riddick. That's fair. He's cool as fuck. Douse the Riddick. Put yeah. water on the Riddick. So this then is, they this, make this it, sequence yeah. in particular, though, is one where you're watching it going... Um, Where's all this fucking what, money? What's it going, what am I doing with my life? Yes, it's another <laughs> one where the Stargate SG-1 production values do make you question if this is actually a film that cost 120 million US dollars. Yeah, like the rocks that they're climbing all over, like I'm pretty sure you could punch a hole through any one of them mm. very, very easily. And the reason for that is because they represent Dwayne the Rock Johnson. And so... Vin Diesel wanted them to be flimsy and him to be able to punch his fist right through them because that's what he would like to do to Mr. Johnson's face. It's a fact. I mean, I'm sure they didn't cross paths until years later, but... Well, who knows? So mm-hmm. uh, then they make, they make it to the hangar where a ship is located and what happens next? They only go and run into the Necromongers again. Oh, Yeah. Jesus Christ. One of them is hasn't always been a necromonger as we discovered. Ah yeah. It turns out the big Linus Roach, whose character name is Flergensblock. He's the purifier, isn't he? That's what they call him. The Flergensbock. Yeah, he's called the Purifier actually. But uh yeah, so it turns out old Linus Roach is actually a Furian himself. Or he was before he got turned into a necromonger after going to Underverse. And we, he shows that he's a Furian by, because he has some glowing particles under his breast. Yeah, and, he's and, got a tattoo. And Riddick, it's a kind of a handprint thing, isn't it? Yeah, he's, in, he's, got, he's got the red hand of Ulster tattooed oh, no. Come on. on his chest. Come and on, he says, we're gonna... me, me and you, me and you, Vinny, we know what's up. We're going we're gonna... to reclaim Furia. We're going to lose our Irish audience <laughs> base, but kind of talk like that now. But it wasn't me. It's Linus Roach. I have nothing to do with this. I didn't write this film. The it was Furians. Vin Diesel who wrote this film under the uh, pen name David Tui. The Furians are not representative of Ulster. <laughs> the flags. They had different flags. Furians say no. Yeah. Ulster says so, no. Yeah. So then uh, Linus Roach bursts into, bursts into flames committing suicide for no real reason because he was sad turned out yeah. he didn't like uh he didn't like being uh one of the necromongers so he offs himself as you do which is a good choice but oh yeah vinnie uh big vin diesel the uh, the riddick the aforementioned riddick does he unleashes his inner power at some point and kills a big bunch of guys in something that looks very much like out of a marvel movie but bad Worse than a Marvel film, depending on how you view Marvel films. I happen to like them. I quite like them too, but the reason I'm looking confused right now is this film is so dull, I literally can't remember what the fuck you're talking about. 
there's a, there's a scene where he unleashes some sort. He gets really angry because he's from Furia, remember, and that's got the word fury in it. So <laughs> they decided to make it that when he gets really angry, he says, "Don't don't get me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry." And he unleashes a burst of power that could be from some kind of Captain Marvel or someone. And it kills all a big bunch of guys, except for <laughs> it doesn't kill Carl Urban because he's better. He's nice yeah. and good. Like, I, I mean, he's bad, but he's a good actor. I do remember this now, but I would just also like to... I <laughs> This is just a great demonstration of how dumb this all is. That is literally the idea of the planet Furia. It's like there's no space yeah, language or anything like that. It's Fury. It's an angry Fury. planet. It's an angry yeah. planet, and everybody People in the galaxy, are angry there. everyone speaks the same language, despite the fact that they're different species and stuff. Or are they all I'm human? From Furia. There's no aliens yeah. in this. No. There? I mean, there's monstery things in the next one and in the previous one. We've got mm. some kind of space monster stuff, space dogs, and space scorpions, and things like that, but... Yeah, we don't see any weird. It's all humans, and they do, they, and they appear to be from Earth because obviously we've got space Muslims. In the next film, we've got space Spanish people. There's a, like one of the teams of people that are all true. space space Spaniards from space Spain. No, so, they're not. Uh, they're they're all Spanish. There's a, every single one of them is Spanish. They've all got Spanish names. Oh right, okay. The name one of the but... groups. Okay, yeah. Well, yeah. But so that's yeah, we'll why. I mean, obviously, we'll the first. Yeah, we'll get to that later. Anyway, let's get so, to this big dummy of an Riddick, ending. Yeah, so Riddick goes back to Necromonger HQ and he confronts the Lord Marshal, says, Oi, you mate, let's fight. So Riddick starts being him up. And then Carl Urban, uh, Commander Vaco, decides to plan a little sneaky uh, coup. And Vaco tries to get in there and kill the Lord Marshal, but, but Riddick does it himself. Riddick delivers the killer blow. But, and then he gets to keep what he kills. So that makes him the new leader of the Necromongers. And he's sitting on the throne. I think after he, yeah, he's sitting on the throne at the very end. And he says, he says to himself, like, you keep what you kill. And that's, now, how, that's how the film ends. Smash cut. The end, question mark? Thing is, we've been talking repeatedly about inputs that Vin Diesel definitely had along the way to this because just certain lines just don't make fucking sense. Certain plot moves don't make fucking sense. I would put it to you that a much cleaner ending to this would be would have been Carl Urban's plot succeeding and Riddick just getting to bugger off and look for his planet, right? But- <laughs> Riddick just kind of awkwardly getting his coat and going out the back. I'll I'll be off then if you you don't need me for anything. Well, honestly, something like that because the the fact him becoming the leader of the Necromongers just makes no fucking sense. So it strikes me that maybe he bullied that into existence just to win the day. Maybe because Carl Urban is prettier than him and he, he wants to be a, but like, yeah, he, the, I bet he wants to smash Carl Urban's face to pieces. Even the for time. all the dumb dumbery of this film, that ending just jars with me. Was, he becomes the leader of the Necromongers, the evil yes. religion. Mm-hmm. It is extremely weird, and it's something that they need to retcon immediately in the next. Oh, part. immediately! Which I suppose we'll move on to straight away, will we? Yeah. Uh, all I all I want to say, the other thing I want to say about Chronicles of Riddick is I enjoyed, 
I enjoyed um, some of the dialogue so much that I actually recorded a song entirely composed of dialogue from from the film Chronicles of Riddick. Oh, so uh, we'll we'll def I'll stick that on at the end of the episode so you can enjoy it. It's about two and a half minutes of unfiltered Chronicles of Riddick dialogue. What's your favorite line from the Chronicles of Riddick before we move on? Uh, I do enjoy the if this uh, if I owned this place in hell. I would rent out hell. I'd rent this one out and live in hell. That's quite a good one. Uh, I There's uh, one that I quite like is when they're on crematoria and he says, there's going to be one speed. Mine. If you can't keep up, don't step up. You'll just die. Is that a line? You'll just die? Mm-hmm. You'll just die. <laughs> uh, I do enjoy... Oh. It's been a long time since I smelled beautiful. Yes, I recall that one. Um, my favorite line um, uh, is, he's not a man. He's the holy half-dead who's seen the underverse. I, I quite like that. That's a it, good one. It's delivered like a kiss-off line. Like, it's, it's like, like, you know, like, yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. It's literally oh, wait, delivered wait, wait. with that energy. Here's, here, here, here's another great one, which is, you, this is the, like, speak English. Speak English, please, you know, for the audience, is this. Maybe you should pretend like you're talking to someone educated in the penal system. In fact, don't pretend. <laughs> that, is, that is the worst, like, in English, point Dexter. God damn it. I type mean, type line. Like, one note that I made like while watching this was, and maybe I'm giving Tui too much credit or the whole production too much credit, but I've literally written, dialogue must be difficult to write. Yeah, I think that's a fairly uh, accurate statement. Well, yeah. at least based on this film. Jesus. I don't think it is, though. Is it that bad? I mean, I don't think it's that bad to make... It can't be that difficult to create something naturalistic, but... No, no, no. Not, like, if, not if Vin Diesel's putting his big finger in it. Well, like, uh, it's just, like, that That line that I drew particular attention to that you, you said, it, that, for me, exemplifies it all. You will just die. <laughs> just die don't if you if you can't keep up don't step up just, and cut just there. die cut, cut, cut the fire off of the fire on the fire planet it's really hot It'll outside <laughs> it's hot fire's hot it burns it burn actually your face uh, off. actually i put it to you that i will win in this fight because i am stronger and very it's like drax from guardians of the galaxy which is uh which segues nicely into well uh, firstly while well, saying uh Chronicles of Riddick feels like a, a very, very poorly constructed Guardians of the Galaxy ripoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vin Diesel ended up being cast as he's the voice of Groot in Guardians of the Galaxy. And they got Drax himself, Dave Bautista, to to appear in the next film, Riddick, the Riddick. The Riddick. So the Riddick finally yeah. gets his, his 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 solo screen outing without those pesky yeah. chronicles fucking it all up. Yeah, get rid of those chronicles. Uh, Chronic. All right. So yeah, they, tell me about the Riddick. They decide to jump in on an immediate retcon here. Well, almost. So we in the Riddick 2013 sequel to the Chronicles of Riddick, uh, one which took quite a while to bully into existence, basically, but. In between the two, the, a, a game was released. Um, 
No, a game. Sorry, a game was released in support of the Chronicles of Rinnick, I believe, and then it was. Mm. Uh, it, it, I think. I think then it was. Um, refurbished is that what they do with games it was called escape from butcher bay and apparently it was one of the i think uh it was i can't think of the word i don't want to say refurbished it was remastered remastered that's the one yeah 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 and apparently escape from butcher bay apparently of all computer game tie-ins with movies and so forth that this was one of the better ones um and in general i heard it actually holds up i haven't played it but i heard even now it's decent it reta- Riddick retained a, a whole bunch of fans. He had a, a whole bunch of fans. There was always people harrying for the next in the Riddick series, and eventually they got to bully it into existence. Now, in the meantime, between Chronicles... Who are those people? Between Chronicles of Riddick and uh, this one, technology, Riddick... Oh, Jesus Christ, I can't, I'm seeing Riddick so much. Right. Riddick. <laughs> yeah, right. When I'm talking about Riddick now, I'm just... I'm, I'm it's be, the film. We're talking about the film. film. Let's yes. refer to the character of Riddick as Vin Diesel. Uh, okay, fair enough. Because right. anyway, in this film, yeah, I don't know if we'll be just using actor names or character names. Who knows? No, actually, this one probably character names. But anyway, Vin I'll Diesel. go with a, a mix of the two, yeah. So um, when Riddick came out all those years after the Chronicles of Riddick, um, it might have seemed like there was a, the love for the character was waning because it got like it it has a much smaller budget than the Chronicles of Riddick, but it just looks so much better now. Technology must have moved on, yeah, quite because it it looks easily the best of the three films. But the opening is almost a deliberate suggestion that we just fucking forget about the Chronicles of Riddick and get back to where we were at now Vin Diesel still remain uh, like you can see some of his chubby fingerprints all over the place trying to establish him a mythology he, he definitely looks chubbier in this film he's gained weight he's bulked up in the face and fingers and ego um yeah for, oh yeah actually Jesus some of the egotistical decisions that his character that he makes for his character but to be fair to be fair apparent apparently he he had to mortgage his house to get some money for this film he, his his house was leveraged in the making of this film. Really? Yeah. So he said, if we didn't finish the film, I would be homeless. Ah, fuck off. <laughs> he would make a good homeless man. Anyway. No, I'm t- I was saying fuck off to Vin Diesel, by the way. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> uh, anyway, so, yeah, we open up and he is stumbling around some shithole of a planet with a, a, a broken leg, which he fixes by clanking it between a rock. He's bleeding from all sorts of and places. And a hard place. And, uh, yeah, and a hard place. And uh, he's basically going, oh, you wondered how I get here? That kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah you, you have, there are bad days or something like that. No, oh, there yeah, are yeah, days I have it, I have there it are days. There are bad days. And <laughs> See, can you guess what what comes next? Just see, can you get it? It's something like there are days where this verse fucks you up your asshole. There are, because it, this this is also it's a very uh, important point. This is R rated. This film. oh yeah, and it rolls around in its R rating. It like yeah. revels in it. Um, We're back in the R, baby. So no, tell me the line. Actually, I need to know. It's there are bad days and then there are legendary bad days. Oh yeah, that's good. That's now, be- good. Before we get started off into it, despite the fa- like, I'll be taking the piss out of this a fair bit as well. But I actually really enjoyed this. I think this. Me is, too. Yeah, I, think I think this is a solid film. It's fun. It, there, towards the end, I felt it got a bit messy, but 
if it's two hours that flies by, as opposed to Chronicles of Riddick's two hours, which are like paint drying. I could, like the parts of this uh, that I would slash out. I think I could slash out with confidence and make it better. Yeah, genuinely yeah, agreed, myself. Agreed. Myself, like same. But but fuck it. Let let it, let the dog have his day. So it it then. We, we yeah, see like if a man around. a man has a man has mortgaged his house. He can he can do what he wants. So we we're, we're, we see him wandering around this planet, and then uh, Vin feels we're owed a flashback. I feel like Vin Diesel is the only person who feels like we're owed this flashback because yeah. then we we jump on to, we're back on the ship. He's st- he's still Lord Marshal of the Necromonger fleet, and he's in a bed full of space floozies. Um, also immediately. First time in the Riddick franchise, we have the arrival of tits. So there's some tits. There's some, there's some tits on the Necromonger ship. Um, Riddick, as the Lord Marshal, is hanging around with all the space floozies. Um, space tits. Yeah, there's space tits, space floozies, uh, space hotties, and uh, Riddick at the same time is having an existential crisis because he wants to find his home world of Furia. All the while, this flashback is going on. Right? I would. I can imagine maybe like 50% of the people who saw this in the cinema were going, what's this on the ship? I don't understand. Yeah. I don't understand. Why, why, who, why, why is Carl Urban there? Yeah, off yeah, of why? Star Trek, off of the, off of the JJ Abrams Star Trek film. Why, why was he in there? Why are they talking? Like, I know what the fuck they're talking about. Yeah. Like, you know, what, what, what is a necromongo? What's this, going on? Yeah, this is mad. <laughs> like, that's the thing. This is like, <laughs> these didn't need to be in it at all. <laughs> they're just, they're, he gets kicked off of their ship and they're like, okay, bye. Goodbye. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they, they trick him. They trick him into going down onto the ship and then they bug. Oh, well, actually, no, sorry. Yeah, they, they pull a wily coyote on him. So yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. They're going to explore this Furia world and then this fucker whips, uh, whips uh, I believe his name is Crone, uh, whips out oh. the mother mother of all space blasters and shoots the ground on the edge of a cliff so a wedge of the cliff falls down like you know the roadrunner has just tricked him into standing on it and um, mm. it's very it's very very it silly is, is it's extremely silly and then that's how big Vinny ends up crushed under a pile of rocks at the bottom of a cliff yeah now at this point i'm there watching it going this is like the computer game would begin now and I would enjoy the computer game. This looked like a computer game that I would like to play uh, yeah. immediately from this moment. Um, just open world. I'm all fucked up, and I need to find my way around. And then he runs yeah. into these, these horrible-looking uh, creatures, the scorpions. Like hyenas. Well, there's also there's like space hyenas as well before there's space scorpion monsters. Well, yeah, let's just dwell for a second. Just I, I've said it already, but this is immediately like the best shot, um, best yeah. looking of these films. Technology must have come along some way in those short years because just the, like without even the creature designs, which are excellent, actually, um, just the quality of the, the cinematography and everything. It's just by comparison to the other, it's a beautiful movie. Um, the only things that were like especially janky are... Um, there are certain scenes in both films. There's one definitely in Riddick early on where he jumps through the air and it looks like he's on wires. It's just a really, really kind of poorly shot jumping thing. That's the only thing that looks exceptionally bad at the start of this film. 
Well, I mean, as it gets on, I mean, too, he gets to do some of his uh, close-up Dutch angles again. Um, but like, yeah, I, I like, I think, I feel like it must have been the technology. In- interestingly enough, uh, Riddick has the same cinematographer as Pitch Black, and but they went a different direction for the middle one. A guy called mm. David Egby did both the first and the third, and. Yeah, whatever the case, I, it appears like I, this fella must have had talent but not money on Pitch Black and just maybe he just switched over to red cameras because whatever the case, this looks high definition. It looks real glossy. It could even, it seems like they could be using the, almost the same technology for the backgrounds as they use uh, for the Mandalorian recently. Like everything looks really good. Now, to be this guy, David, David Eggby is the cinematographer on, on, on Mad Max, on the original Mad Max. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and what? also on Scooby Doo and Eurotrip, so he's done it. He's done it all. Scotty doesn't know. Scotty doesn't know. Big Matty Damons. Um. Anyway, so we're down there. He's wandering around. He's run into the space dogs and then the space scorpions and the space cor like the, <laughs> the space scorpions are a really cool kind of creature design and also it's just a more or less rip-off of the Xenomorphs by H.R. Geiger without the vaginal element. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, really, really cool creature designs. And you just feel, fuck, yeah, we're in for it. Yeah, they have their, their, their kind of pincery whatever. I don't even know. It's not like a tail. Is it their head? I, this, I need to re-watch it. I'm never going to rewatch it, let's be honest. But It's almost like the look tail... At the thing is like a distraction and then the yeah xenomorph. and then the, then the actual yeah the xenomorph thing comes out and like eats space dogs or whoever gets close enough yeah but the interesting thing is that like basically once he's encountered these creatures and then he he sees greener pastures in the distance and he decide like he decides okay i'm that's where i'm going to get i gotta be careful um well no actually doesn't he fi- he figures out how to kill them and he kills a bunch of them he kills, yeah. He, he, well, the first thing that he does, the, this first 30 minutes has very, very little dialogue. Mm. And he starts taking some, he starts taking some poison out of the little scorpion things. That's and then right. Over a, over a period of time, he poisons himself to build up his, his immunity to the to poison. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, they, yeah, so that right. he can then, he gets the big scorpion to bite him. And then he's like, ha I don't feel anything. I'm Vin Diesel. And then he kills it. Yeah, and then he gets to move on to this kind of grassy savanna that's in the distance, and mm. the, so you, and like, and all of a sudden, without you noticing it, except for the odd clunky uh, scene with Carl uh, Urban and the space tits, it's been completely successfully Oops. retconned into the yeah. original thing that you liked about the franchise, and yeah. you're you're just you're forgetting that Chronicles Riddick ever existed, and you, I I can't help but think that uh, well the internet must have produced an edit where that scene isn't even fucking included because it just doesn't need to even though oh yeah yeah, i just remember they go back there at the end and it's fucking yeah because they have to tie it all together and Uh, also it's going that's going to lead into the fourth film as well which we'll come to (laughs) because vin diesel was in a was in a production office in universal going listen People will be will lose their minds if they don't know what happened to the Necromancer. Well, they want to know what happened to Vaco. We exactly. need to know what is Carl Urban doing now. Where uh, is he? I know the Riddick fans. I know them. 
Uh, anyway, so he gets to the savannah. Now, you, uh, you at this point, I believe, notice something that I certainly fucking didn't because you don't. Yeah, really so he looks to... out. So it's the way that David, because pitch black is they've, you know, you said David Tui added the element about about Vin Diesel's eyes, about being able to see in the dark, right? That thing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, that in the second film, it's it's not really dealt with it's it's almost it's just a kind of a nuisance the fact that he has those eyes it's it's rarely it's it's not like oh, a superpower yeah. particularly it's the just something to it. be overcome yeah it's just it's, it has very little relevance whatsoever and then in this film so he sees that it's raining on the other side of this shitty planet he's been dumped on but what he notices because of his super superpower, super special eyes, he notices that where it's raining, there are more of these big scorpion worm things that are kind of rutting in the soil uh, while the rain is falling. So he realizes, like, I need to get off of this planet because there yeah. are bad days and then there are legendary bad legendary days on bad this days. planet. I just remembered as well that before he leaves to get to the savannah, like the last of those... Um, uh, space mud demon things that he kills that's what they're actually called in the in the wikipedia page i remember they call them uh, mud demons uh he slides under the big massive one and cuts open its belly oh, yeah and, they're called and, mud demons that is scary <laughs> and and the the king mud demon eats its own guts which is a fucking yeah, that is well, from, horrific it is yeah but for me that like that's just that is taking me back to that banshee element of the whole thing where it's just like yep it's very sexy very arousing i agree well it's just like how can we fucking just just get something fucking nasty and cool in there and like there's no reason So then the mud demon eats its own stomach lining yeah it mm. eats its own guts it's fucking gross but it's awesome i love it like that they are like that's that's the kind of shit that i'm here for that's what i want from a riddick movie and i want all of the stuff that they deliver in the following in the in the in the rest of the film i want it all because it works out really well i really like it so then he gets along to this this beacon um to call for help now he knows he's a wanted man he knows it so he knows that he's wanted in every verse he's probably wanted in the underverse even exactly he's a dangerous he's because he's the last furian so he puts out this he puts out a distress signal saying hey guys come rescue me um i'm in loads of trouble and then the first of the boys that arrives is well the first guys are bad guys we know they're bad bad boys because Because they're spanish because they have spanish names well we know they're bad boys because they have this lady who's in chains on board their ship and then they that is is actually an interesting scene yeah tell me about that so they let her, her, they let her go, and the impression is given, but not explicitly stated, that they've basically been using her as some kind of a yeah. sex monkey. And then yeah. uh, they leave her go, and she's running away, and they shoot her a bunch of times. And then she, just as she's dying, she sees Riddick, uh, and we yeah, and Riddick. And she sees says, her. "You're extremely attractive." She says, you're a fucking hot piece of ass. You're a hot piece of ass. I'm uh, so glad I got to see you just uh, while I died. It made my life worthwhile. Yes, it was worth all that, uh, yeah. all those months on that spaceship being a yeah. sex rape monkey. <laughs> yeah. So long yeah. as I got to see your just beautiful, so I got to, my eyes. Riddick face. Uh, my eyes got to see you. In that scene, we get kind of a glimpse of the Riddick we got introduced to in Pitch Black because he just couldn't he couldn't seem to give less of a he's shit. Like, Meh. Yeah, whatever. That's because he's a different kind of evil. 
Um, yeah, but why I, th- I thought that was interesting though because I thought they were setting it up originally. I was like, all right, so he's going to be running around with this woman, and he's going they're going to be he's going to be kind of protecting her, or they're going to be working together. But I, so I thought that was reasonably bold when they mm. killed her. But I guess as you say, it make they're trying to just they were trying to paint the picture of like oh, this Santana and his crew are bad guys. They're a bad bunch of lads, and Santana bad played by Jordi Moya, the Catalan Jordi Mo- Moya. Yeah. Um, he is basically this movie's Thandy Newton in that he's just, just but like it's fun it's he's because, fun he's a lot yeah, of fun he's the no he's the, he's the for me he's the best thing in the movie like just because yeah. it's like I'm just laughing every time he's on the screen he's, you know he knows exactly what movie he's in you know um, and he gets all the best lines as well <laughs> we'll get to that but he does get all the best lines yeah um, so yeah on a, the, a few minutes later, then we get the arrival of the second ship. B team. Yeah, both of these guys are here to hunt Riddick. They both want Riddick. They both seem to be kind of bounty hunters now because he's so sexually attractive. The second guys who arrive, it's the suggestion of their captain um, that they all kind of work together and eventually split yeah. the bounty, something like that. Because this guy's honourable, so it seems. Yes, it would seem that. Plus, he's got Starbuck from Battlestar Galactica on his team, so we're on. And board. what I've just I've just realised that her name is Dal D A H L. I thought they were calling her Doll. I thought it was D O L L. Could easy be the way they treat I've this character. I've only just, I've only exactly. That's why I just felt like that's what they were calling her because, yeah, she was the lady one. Jesus, the way breasts. They, oh God, it's awful the way they treat this character. Honestly, not not like it would take. It takes a lot to make me to make me squeamish about this kind of treatment of, of female characters, but it's just atrocious. Anyway. Yeah. It's just fucking like it's just really, really nasty and grim. Anyway, so the more honorable team arrive, and um, Santana's like, "No, man, fuck yourself." Actually, what, what? Yeah, yeah. So the cap, the honorable captain suggests uh, from the other team, from the second team to arrive, second team of bounty hunters. How, well, how about we just uh, work together and we'll split the bounty? And uh, I believe Santana says of this deal that it sucks ass and swallows. Mm. Which which, which is, swall- swallows what exactly? Shit is that what shit. we're saying? Yeah, Out of the ass. Shit, it's it sucks. Shit and swallows. Um, and mm. but the thing is, we gotta we gotta get on board with Santana a bit because he's got Bautista. He's he got plays Dave, a mean guitar. He's and he's got Dave Bautista on his team. And yeah, off of wrestling. Off of wrestling, but uh, like yeah, it's like so many wrestlers have made have tried to make the crossover into cinema and like. I can I can't think of anybody. Well, hold on. There are some people. Uh, who's the Rock. The the, uh, the Rock. Who is it? Who's in They Live? Is it Jesse Ventura? Uh, no, it's Rowdy Roddy Piper. Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yes, sorry. Who's so, uh, sadly passed away now. That's right. Yeah. And, and like he, every other wrestler. Ah ah, and he is in. They live with ass to ass. Keith, yeah, Keith David, Mr. Ass yeah, to Ass. That's yeah, true. Full circle. There we go. All full right. penetrated circle. So Bautista is just being a total badass, uh, except he's not that great Which with is shots. the only thing he can do, yeah. Um, he takes a shot at Riddick's lovely dog, and he can't hit it, and Santana makes fun of him, which can't be good for uh, Bautista's self-esteem. Let's be fair, he's a bounty no. hunter. Probably all he's got is his shot, and Santana publicly mocks him for missing the dog. Bautista, like all hard cunts in movies, probably doesn't want to kill a dog. 
You know, he's an no, honorable. Because he's, he, yeah, he's a bit more honorable, even though he's on the bad team. Yeah, exactly. He seems just like a, a better guy. So they all start scouring around the place for Riddick. Um, and Riddick is seemingly just taking the piss out of them a little bit. And eventually Santana comes around to the way of thinking. So what they do is they, they opt to put all these fuel cells inside a locker. Now, again, I missed out on the other thing with the rain and the radar and the creatures emerging. I was just having the crack. So maybe I'm getting the plot wrong because it is. No, no, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. So they make these power uh, nodes. Yes, um, which look just very like an accessory you would pick up in Halo. And um, it looks, yeah, it looks like an Xbox or something. <laughs> it probably was. Yeah, it's what, what it brought me to mind of. Yeah, and uh, so the deal is that they would they put the, all this in an explosive kind of a locker and they work together uh, to get Riddick and his uh, little dog friend. I think this, yeah, which is described on Wikipedia as is hyena beast. <laughs> nice. Um, I think I think this is where the film picks up around this time where they introduce the mercenary crews and the structure of the film seems to be like, okay, the first 30 minutes is going to be basically just Riddick. It's just Vin Diesel mm. on screen the entire time, follow him around. Because when the bounty hunter teams appear this is when riddick becomes the character that they're chasing and talking about and we don't see him at all yeah and that's when the that's when the riddick character is most effective and that's when he was most effective in pitch black yeah was when people were just talking about him going like oh my god he's there he's like when he's something to be feared and he's powerful he you do is you make the, a really interesting is, point there yeah yeah he is he's the jack sparrow of this universe he's the one that he's good as a side character when, when people are talking about him he's not he shouldn't be leading the action and i mm. think we just follow him around in the first 30 minutes because vin diesel wanted 30 minutes of screen time because the vast majority of the film he's not on screen and the other actors do a pretty good job of holding their end uh Actually, though, there is a reason for him to be wandering around for 30 minutes on his own. And it is explained to us is that he became too civilized amongst the next. Oh, that's right. That's right. He needed to animal up. He needed to animal up. So he gets his space bomb out. Um, So we get to see Vin Diesel's bomb and uh, he becomes an animal again. And I think this is Vin Diesel's reasoning for why we end up seeing Starbucks tits for no reason at all. Well, because he's an animal, is it definitely uh, is it definitely uh, Vin Diesel's hand that was in trying to grab Starbucks breasticles? No, I think it's it kind of transpires that that was in fact uh, Santana, doesn't Santana, it? Santana, yeah, yeah. Uh, it could have been any of them, any of these horny devils, to be honest. But anyway, no, going back to your uh, these I, filthy I mud demons. I, I, I do. I, that scene is just gross. Uh, yeah, when they're all hunting around, um, looking for. Um, Riddick around the place, and then Star, <laughs> Star, Starbuck is ha- uh, having a shower, putting on deodorant. It's been revealed she's a lesbian. Santana says, "You might be a lesbian, but I'm going to fuck you." Uh, in one way or another, he says that, and then, yeah, for no reason at all, we just get a bit of boobage, a bit of side boobage, and we see a dirty hand uh, pawing in the bathroom window. It's fucking gross. Anyway. You're dead right with what you were just saying there, because this pretty much just becomes the mercenary movie after that, um, and it's all the better. Which for is it. good. Which is yes, fine. It's really, really, really fucking enjoyable, and like it kind of it reveal what the kind of filmmaker that Tui is, 
reveals itself uh, very pointedly because, okay, when, once the second mercenary crew arrives, I was thinking, man, if they just schlock it out amongst themselves and eventually Vin Diesel for the next 45 minutes, like in the style of John Wick, I'll be happy as a pig in shit. That's a, like, I would consider that totally worth coming along for. But then, yeah, yeah you're dead right. It just completely reminds you of why Pitch Black worked so well. It's just these, uh, um, just a, an array of different characters bumping off each other, and uh, Santana just yeah, Riddick is just in the background. An excellent loudmouth, the captain, yeah. of the the honourable captain of the other crew. He's clearly the way he's played. He's he's got. We know he's got a backstory. We we know he's attached yeah. to Riddick for some reason. Um, and yeah, yeah, it, it, that interplay between those two groups is the fuel for the movie and Riddick is just in the background it, it just really really works so then anyway this deal with the fuel nodes locked up in some kind of a cabinet with a bomb Santana has the key to this cabinet around his neck and then they're all just scouring the area around the two ships where they've set up camp um, and Riddick seems to I don't I can't remember how does he trick them into opening because the, they the the, he because he writes uh that he'll do like he writes on the cabinet that he'll do like he writes fair trade or something like that yes he does because he, 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 he's because he because he's big into fair trade products this must be it yes he writes fair and, trade uh, yeah, so they know that he's been in, and then Santana realizes he's well. He's had the key to this locker around his neck the whole time, so then he decides to open up the locker. But then they all start shitting themselves that maybe he, that Riddick had already opened the locker and then reset the bomb that was on the front of it. Uh, maybe he'd reset the code, so there was a poten- there was potential for Santana to blow himself up. Yeah, Which is quite funny. That's a nice. It's quite tense scene as well. It's well it done. is, yeah. And it's also like you're you're watching it there, going, "How did Santana ever become the leader of any crew? <laughs> yeah. He's just so hapless. He's such yeah. a he's such a coward. <laughs> he's such a coward. Like he's just he's terrified of everything. Yeah, he's very uh, much like the that what's, what was his name Yam, Yam, Yamamori from uh, Battles Without Honor and Humanity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And he's he's stupid enough to be peer pressured into opening the locker when he clearly doesn't want to because he's yeah, scared yeah, of dying. Because he's going, and he doesn't do anything to kind of mitigate against a bomb potentially going off and blowing him up. He's just kind of yeah. like, "Wow, well, just go on with it." There I, must be another way to do that where you don't put yourself in as much danger. I I have a note here, and I'm relying on you to remember at what point Santana utters the following magic line. Santana says. A unicorn's ass. Do you recall where that came from? No, but it, it does. It does. Uh, it's like, where'd it you get? Familiar. Where'd you get familiar. that from? A unicorn's. Where'd you pull that yeah. from? A, a unicorn's ass. That's what it is. Yeah. Where'd you pull Some, that, yeah. that? That idea from a unicorn's ass, which is a weird yeah, thing. Yeah, it feels like that must have been written by Vin Diesel. That's a Diesel line. That's got Diesel all over it. Indeed, but I, like, yeah. So the, this is the thing: is that like Tui is leading us in certain directions, particularly with the, the character of Santana. Santa, we just you know that Santana's nasty death is coming. You know that Santana is just—it's going to get crushed in a very fun way. And we're particularly led by, if you notice, 
the whole way through the movie, I even made a, a, a like a note of it way early before it became relevant, is Santana has the shiniest machete in the world. <laughs> uh, Chekhov's machete. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's just hanging around the place, just waiting, just just to demolish him in some fucking way. And eventually the time comes when they capture Riddick. Now, for, before way before that happens, of course, Riddick tricks them into opening up the cabinet and then they have to run outside for some reason or another. Yes, I don't recall why, but um, one of the one of the good team of mercenaries, the more honorable bounty hunters has got a great actor playing the character of Moss, Bokeem Woodbine, who seems to, he gets tricked by Riddick or Riddick appears in front of him and uh, kind of freaks him out, which is not surprising when you see that sexy, sexy man appear in front of you. Yeah, of course he's going to freak going, you You're going to be spellbound. He's, he looks spellbound. So yeah, at some point uh, Riddick, well, Riddick has broken in and he gets into the, yeah, the little locker. So Riddick manages to steal the fuel nodes. He tricks them into getting them somehow. He gets them out of the, the wee locker. Yeah, and, the locker. And then, send, no, Dal sharpshoots him from a distance with, th- it takes a total of <laughs> three horse tranquilizers. <laughs> Ten horse tranquilizers. <laughs> it's such a ridiculous scene of like, the world's God. strongest man. Like, so they, mm-hmm. so John, so Santana and this, this other uh, commander guy, the other mm-hmm. ship commander agree to meet Riddick out in the, in the middle of a desert basically. And that's when Dal shoots Riddick with a tranquilizer. And that just, it just stinks to high heavens of a Vin Diesel production note. Like, they, like it's probably in the script just to shoot him once and then Vin Diesel. <laughs> so I don't think Riddick would go How down. about seven? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They shoot a bunch of them. They shoot him with a bunch of them. And then Riddick uh, wakes up and he's all tied to a chair and uh, they don't know Not where the... chained up. He's been chained up. They don't know where the fuel nodes are. He knows where the fuel nodes are. They want to know where the fuel nodes are, and we it all where commences. are the nodes? Where are but, yeah the fucking nodes? That's what everybody wants to know. That's the fucking magic question. Uh, at which point, um, Riddick says, uh, "Would like to know if they would like to continue playing uh, retired bingo," <laughs> which is not, a great game. Highly recommended. N- not the sequel my... to Escape from Butcher Bay: Chronicles <laughs> of Riddick Retired Bingo. I mean, it's like there's a dead dog in this film. A dog dies. But yeah, it is because, totally uh, yeah. worth that dog dying so that Santana's awesome dialogue gets to survive. Yeah. Do you know, if I'm the dog, I will lose the dog for Santana to live a little bit longer and just hear yeah. more things he has to say. Because then, but then this, I don't know, they try to, to hand Santana type lines to Riddick, and they just, they're not only they, do they fall flat, they're grotesque. Okay, at this point, I would like to stress as well that, yeah, it, I, I've said it already, but it has been, like, Dal has told everybody that she's a lesbian, and then um, just seemingly Riddick and Santana are up for making the quip of, yeah, you might be a lesbian, but I'm going to have sex with you. <laughs> yeah, before this film is done, yes, you uh, will be riding me, guaranteed. 
And then somebody says something during the interrogation scene when they're group interrogating Riddick about the color pink. And Riddick says to Dal, matches your nipples. <laughs> Do you recall this? Yes. Yeah, it's fucking awful, man. It's so gross. Anyway, whatever. This scene just becomes very, very much like something out of The Thing or Alien. Everybody's looking... Uh, at Riddick, they, they, they want their fuel nodes, but nobody's trusting each other. Um, and Oh yeah, in the interrogation scene, that's when we have the revelation of who the, the other commander is, and it's extremely important. Yes, it's an it's extremely a... important revelation because now, ah, who could he be? Is he another space Muslim? Well, no. Is he? He, is a, he is the brother, father, father, brother, He's the father of, uh, of John's, of the, the bounty hunter slash Merc from Pitch Black, who was played by Cole Hauser. The junkie fella. Is, yeah, the junkie fella. This is, his, this is his daddy, also called John's. Yes, indeed. Uh, uh, played by uh, Matthew Nabel, who is an Australian former rugby player. Ah, Jesus. Well, nice. Mm. What do you right think up. is what? What would you imagine is the age difference between Cole Hauser and Matthew Nabel playing son and father? Oh, if you God. had to guess, I mean, is Cole Hauser older than him? No, it's it's three years. Matthew Nabel's three years older, but plays Cole Hauser's father. I don't understand the decision to make him his father. I was wondering uh, why, why, why not a brother? Why, why not, not his fucking brother? brother? Yeah, yeah, I didn't get it that. It makes no sense whatsoever. No, it doesn't. It's a, it's a, a silly. Yeah, anything that's stupid in this, we're just we're just coming to yeah. the conclusion it was Vin Diesel's idea. Yeah, yeah. We're do, we're I, we might be giving David Tui too much credit. Anyway, uh, uh, so yeah, we find out who John's is. Uh, we realize that very soon Riddick's. Um, ability to see in the dark is going to uh, come in very handy. Somebody says, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Riddick says to the group of them something along the lines of, uh, well, what are you going to do when things get really bad? And then somebody, <laughs> this is a, just a clunky David Tui line right here. Somebody says, when things get bad, this isn't bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that. I actually don't have a problem with that one. Oh, this isn't fucking bad. Anyway, I didn't, you know, I didn't mind that in the in in the Chronicles of Riddick, the universe that is by far not the worst line. No, no, that's fair. That's fair. It's that's a fair. million. Miles. That's fucking Shakespeare compared to some of the things that have been passed off. That is very fair. Um, but anyway, all of this ridiculous, no matter what your opinion of it, it all becomes completely worth it when we get to Santana's death. Yes. Absolutely. So Santana dies in a spectacular manner with his big shiny machete having been pulled out. Riddick somehow tied up, kind of disables him of his machete, catches it with his foot and then flicks it. So it just chops Santana's head off right at the mouth. And then the top of his head slides off and we it's revealed just the fucking bottom half of his head with his tongue and his jaw and shit. It's totally gory and very awesome. Uh, I was very much but on the, board the whole for that. the whole point of it is that it's a callback to earlier in the film because Santana threatens to put Riddick's head in a box. Yeah, and then so Riddick later on when he meets Santana is like, "Hey, you box boy, the guy was threatening me," 
And then Riddick's like, I'm going to put your head in a box. And then, and then he does it. He fucking totally <laughs> in chains. does it. He, he kicks the box. He kicks the machete and then kicks the box to in front of Santana. And so Santana's that's what head he does. falls into the box. He promises. And it's one of those, yeah, it's very much just like the, the teacup. I'm going to kill you with my teacup. From he Chrome promises people obscure debts and he fucking delivers. He, he fucking delivers. This guy is Arnie. He's on form. He knows what he's doing. All right, so yeah, basically at this point, I think I think we can tie this. Up. I reckon we can we tie can, this plot up very in, quickly. In broad strokes. Okay, so I got Go. this. So they, so they 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 at this point everybody needs the fucking fuel nodes. So Riddick's like, all right, I'll take you to the fucking fuel nodes. So here yeah, we which go. he hid in the middle of the fucking desert for no point, for no pro, no reason whatsoever. So they're right off to get them, and then the motorbikes break down, and the the oh, uh, no, yeah, exactly. And then in a rather, this is the point where. You, if they had just gotten David Leach in to direct this sequence of action when him and Johns have to get back to this, the ship, I mean, they could have had a really cool action scene with them versus the weird scorpion things. But as it stands, uh, Johns and Riddick fighting the scorpions all the way back to the ship is just very lifeless and dull and slow. I mean, for two hard-ass commando and psychopathic prisoner motherfuckers on a desert planet fighting mud demons that's a really kind of a dull sort of a slow motion action <laughs> yeah and it's really just, weird actually that is it is yeah it's awful it's yeah it's, it's like it's the, just, that this the yeah you, i think when we were talking earlier about what you would excise from the film like this would definitely be one of the sections yeah. this is when it slowed down for me where i was like what are they doing yeah, and it could have been good. I'm like, I'm, I, I'm a, a fan of like action at a distance like sure. that. But I mean, you've yeah. got to, you've got to give it a bit of pace, and you got to give it a bit of oomph. That's just boring as fuck. It just doesn't make any sense why they included it. Um. Anyway, so as it transpires, Riddick has got the animal back. We know this. He's got yeah. the animal back, and then at the end of it, he's just leaving the planet. He's got his own ship. The good guy commandos have their own ship. Once again, religion has survived because the Bible basher uh, mercenary is one yeah, of so the there's, few yeah, there's one, of, one of the Spanish. Yeah, one of the Spanish ones is into the Bible and he lives because and, God protected him and God was Vin Diesel. And then for some fucking reason, the film ends back on a necromonger ship with Riddick taking his revenge. How he got onto the necromonger ship, I'll never know. But he managed it, and he manages to wreak his revenge, and that's the end of. Yeah, and the whole point of the end of this, uh, the end of uh, the, the final scene, is to show that Carl uh, Urban Vaco has gone through the wormhole thing into the underverse. Oh and, yeah, that's uh, right. And Vin Diesel's looking on, going like, "Oh no, now I need to go into the underverse." Which I hope they don't do with the, the because I need to kill Carl Urban for some reason. Why does he need to kill Carl Urban? Revenge <laughs> for what? Oh God, I'm just picturing for Furia. Like, the, the the production he like, was, he, like Carl Urban wasn't in charge. It was Calm Fuhrer, and he's dead. Fucking proper the, dead. The, when they're proposing the the next uh, Riddick movie, I mean, David Tui will just have some other Mad Max in space story, and it'll just be Vin Diesel refusing to get on board, and it'll just be going, but could, am I the only one who realizes the fans are going to want to know what happened with the Necromongers, yeah. guys? You guys, we need, to, we need to tie up the loose ends of the Necromongers. Anyway. Every year, every year that passes, it's going to be more difficult to get Carl Urban back. Like, Carl Urban <laughs> yeah. has blown up since then. I mean, he was like Thor... 
Ragnarok, he was good in. He's obviously he's like the lead in the boys. Uh, he the is TV a giant Amazon nerd, TV though. TV series. Carl I guess is famously a giant nerd. He loves right. shit like and he's this. He's also he seems like a good actor, and like he's like takes things quite seriously. Wouldn't you um, love so, if they, if they fucking ditched another sequel to Riddick and gave him his sequel to Dread? That would be great. Oh yeah, that's one of those things. That's the difference between Carl Urban and Vin Diesel. Between a good action star and vin diesel is in dread carl urban kept his helmet on the entire the entire film Mm. even to the point where now where you mention dread i don't even think about the fact that it's carl urban no you just because he's so good in the role it's dread he doesn't take his helmet off because he's 100 percent committed to the role whereas vin diesel would have been vin diesel would have had his fucking arse out in that if he could have (laughs) it's just insane be like, yo, I need to go take a shower because you know there are bad days, and in in uh, in sometimes in Mega City One, there are bad days and there are legendary bad days. <laughs> You're Jesus right. Like, the, the, there's no, you know, the stage of this movie where he does get his bum out. There's no need for him to have his bum out. It's such an unnecessary thing. Anyway. Oh, by the way, by the way, so let me just say, uh, Mm. according to Wikipedia, um, the Riddick 4 is called Riddick 4 Furia. Yeah. But not Riddick 4, not Riddick 4, uh, Riddick, you know, like Riddick 4 colon Furia. It's Riddick 4 Furia. Like he's going to be running for president of this (laughs) non-existent planet. Uh, I mean, the thing is, I'll watch it. Sure, I wanted one hundred percent. They were also trying to come up with they they were pitching a TV series called Merc City as well, apparently, which was going to look into the Mercs and bounty hunters. I will um, never uh, watch any of these movies again, though. Uh, the ones no, that, no, uh, sir. No, I would uh, consider. Well, I'm not. I'm not that averse to Riddick. This film. But just pieces of it, like the middle of the film, I don't mind. From when the bounty hunters turn up to when to when Riddick gets back together with them. Everything think, in the middle of there, I don't mind. Like the, the kind of middle hour of the film is fine. I think we could we could do we could do worse than to put together a kind of a, a, a bad dialogue mega mix from the bad dialogue good dialogue mega mix from the two movies. Yeah, well, at least you can enjoy my uh, my my song from the end. I've enjoyed it already. Episode. I'm looking forward to it. Yes, I believe yeah. it's about time for a coin toss, though, isn't it? It is. I have a coin right here. But shall we introduce the films that we've chosen? Indeed, indeed. Okay, so I'll, I'll explain first if you want. So I chose do. uh, "Don't Look Now," uh, the 1973 Nicholas Rogue f- thriller. Um, I've seen bits of it, but I don't really remember sitting down to watch the whole thing. Um, it's quite famous for its supposedly uh, unsimulated sex scene and also for the ending, which I already know. But uh, yeah, I don't remember this film at all. It's set in Venice. I live in Italy and I've been planning a trip to Venice because it's not that far away from me. So I thought it would be a nice thing to watch. All right. Well... What I'm going to put up against uh, Don't Look Now is William Friedkin's 1980 erotic thriller um, Mm. based around the gay leather scene in New Mm. York. Um, A film so controversial for the scenes that it got cut from it that James Franco directed a movie just about those scenes called Interior Leather Bar. Mm, I I didn't know that. 
I'm a very big uh, William Friedkin fan, and I've never gotten around to seeing this film, so I'm very much looking forward to it if I win. If not, I will, of course, never watch it. That's the plan. Um, yeah, so my film is Cruising. Okay, so your options, I'll toss your options, are Two or Big Bird? Big Bird. It is Two, I'm sorry. It oh. is a Two, just to confirm, it was Two. Um, so I'm afraid you have lost. We will not be watching the gay epic Cruising. I've seen Cruising before nah, and I did winning. not enjoy it. I didn't enjoy it. Really? So I think, yeah, I did not like it. I thought it was, I thought it was poor. I just didn't think it was particularly, I didn't think it was, I certainly don't think it's anywhere near Freakin's good films. Huh? I, I, maybe I will rewatch it at some point because I watched it a long time ago. I was ever, a lot younger when I saw it. Ever watch it to live and die in LA? No, but that was the film that I was going to match up with it if you had one. That was huh. going to be the, the, the companion film because I haven't oh. watched that. That's the oh. other big freak in one I have You seen. can introduce that somewhere along the road because I, I yeah. I'm quite a fan. Okay, so in to match up with Don't Look Now, I'm going to. Um, you've been pairing quite nicely. You paired a remake against Sorcerer, you uh, paired a sequel against the Chronicles of Riddick and up against um, Nicholas. So Rowe. I'm going to I'm going to pair the same film. We're going to watch Don't Look Now twice. <laughs> no, I'm going to uh, pick um, an earlier Nicholas, Rigg, uh, Nicholas Rogue film. Ooh. Uh, I'm going to watch, uh, I've always wanted to watch Walkabout. Uh, oh, okay. Right. Yeah, I've seen Walkabout, but yeah, definitely. I haven't watched it for a long time. So you're you're in luck because I guess you I guess you had that feeling you were like I need to see some boy penises. Uh, is is, yeah, is, is there boy penises in it? There's mm. there's also young there's also young girl breasts in uh, I think we're in dangerous territory watching Walkabout, but yep, certainly. I've seen it before. I, I watched it at school actually. Because um, Walkabout was uh, a, one of the books I remember doing probably in like early set, early high school. Oh, it's based on a book. Mm-hmm. Ah, fair, ah so is Cruising. It's I'm based on a book called uh, The Chronicles of Riddick. The Chronicles <laughs> of Riddick's Walkabout. All right. Well, I suppose that brings us to an end until until next week. I'm uh, really looking forward to this week's two films um, because the, both of them seem a suitable distance um, of uh, not retarded from the Riddick films. Uh, so I'm looking forward yeah, to. Yeah, well, this. I'm, I'm gonna. I've I've got so many games of retard bingo uh, just piled <laughs> up, ready to go. Uh, uh, some intellectual walk, walk chewing about, gum will be good. Walk, walk about walk about one hundred minutes. And Don't Look Now is 110 minutes. That's Fucking doable. Fucking bullshit. Jesus Christ. I know. What happened to the 90 minutes? I've got a couple of two and a half hour, three hour films that I've been looking at. So we'll do that when we have a little bit more time, shall we? All right, sure. Well, uh, we'll talk to you all next week. So fuckers. Bye. Yep. Bye. Is there a name for this prize little world of yours, huh? What happens when we don't just run away? You'll kill us with a soup cup. Tea, what's that? I'll kill you with my tea If I own this place and how I rent this place out and live in hell Are you with me, Kira?
Are you with me, Kira? I think it's a half gram heavy in the back end. I was not this with you. I was Riddick. I don't know. Tomb seems kind of tight. Not from where I'm sitting. This is the biggest payday ever. So put on a fresh pair of panties and let's get this right. Have you heard anything I've said? You said it's all circling the drain, the whole universe, right? That's right, right, too, and sometimes. Have you met any others, others like yourself? Sisters, they don't know what to do with just one of me, spoken like a true fury. Thank you.